Um, and she just thought for a while. And if you you ever wanted to know what it feels like, like when you're in a black hole, you know the singularity when all your atoms like split out. <laughs> be a penis, <laughs> or or teach your kids about penises. <laughs> and so, oh, fucking magic for the brain! <laughs> I love it. They're just two parents who happen to be dads. One called Harley, the other one is Wads. It's not really Wads, it's Waves. But Wade doesn't rhyme with dads. It's shitting with the door open. Don't you have a best of, which is just your laugh? (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for bringing up the greatest moment in the history of this podcast. Our guest today on Shitting With The Door Open is uh, my brand new friend, because we've only just met, uh, Claire Marshall, mother of two, human rights lawyer, bit of a show off. (laughs) (laughs) Wrote a book. Right, oh, for fuck's sake. I know. Never got published. Fucking, I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) What was the book about? Um, It's a fantasy novel. Oh. Yeah, fantasy sci-fi. Novel. Fantastic. You should yeah. hand that over to Wade Duffin. I love it. And he will hand it over to my wife. They uh, they have a little romance going on fantasy yeah, we novels. we do. We do love to swap the old fantasy yeah. and sci-fi. It's a bit concerning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried about fidelity. It's just concerning. They're grown adults. <laughs> <laughs> worrying about wizards and witches. Look at that elf go. <laughs> Uh, now we are we're going to get into you and your life. Two children, what age? Sorry, uh, uh, five and nine months old. Oh, five and nine girls. months. That's a nice gap. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a long gap. I'm very tired. It's like <laughs> getting better and then just fucking it all up again by having a <laughs> tiny baby. You're referring to the baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How is that nine month old? Uh, she is insane. She's really hard. We had a really lovely, easy first baby, and we. We were quite young, so we were both, oh, I don't know, 12, like, you know, in our mid-twenties when we had right. our first baby. Um, and um, and she was so cruisy and we were really smug. Like, we were like, <laughs> oh, this is easy. And a couple of other friends were having babies at the same time and they were having a tough time and we were like, oh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then like a few years later, I got pregnant with Frida. And she was born and she's beautiful, but she is fucking impossible. She doesn't sleep. She cries all the time. Mate, she's just... And serves you. I right. know. <laughs> this is my karma. This is my <laughs> comeuppance. I deserve her. I deserve every second of this. But yeah, she's lovely, but yeah, she's bloody hard work. Is that non-sleep, man? That is... Fuck, that's torture. It is. is I, I've been hearing voices and I probably shouldn't say this because um, <laughs> as a lawyer, oh, you have to be... Sound <laughs> and all the people listening, um, you have to be of sound mind and you can actually have your practicing certificate revoked if you're not. You so should definitely not be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been, I, I'm been so tired that I've been hearing voices in oh my house. My and I was like, Wally, we've, we've probably got a demon. And he's like, <laughs> we don't have a demon and... You're just super tired. It was mostly a, a man, a man in the house, like saying mean things to me. Like, why are you standing oh, wow. there? But well, it was Harley and I have just exchanged a very worried look. <laughs> <laughs> this actually reminds me of a story uh, of uh, I don't know if I've brought it up with you before, but it was a young mum in a similar position to you that um, my partner Hannah knew, and she was on, doing it on her own, middle of the night kind of losing her mind a bit because that's what lack of sleep does to you. So she called up a helpline, specifically there for mums who are struggling, 
and said, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm at my end, I don't know what to do, I've got no support here. The person on the other end of the line who's, who's there specifically to support and help got her name and address and then reported her to DHS who oh came and investigated God. her. Yeah, right. What? Jesus. So then what's that going to do in the future when she needs a bit of support? Oh, it was three o'clock in the morning, she was going mental. What? That's why there's a phone number to call. Yeah, to talk you off the ledge. Exactly. And it's really, really normal sleep deprivation because we, we, we were like, you were insane when, yeah. when we realised I was hearing these voices. But actually, did you know one in three people in their life will experience auditory hallucinations and it's usually a result of sleep deprivation. So if you're hearing voices, my expert advice is it's totally normal. Just, yeah. Yeah. just, just go on. Just talk back. Just talk, exactly. <laughs> do what they say. Shut up. <laughs> Like voices that. all the time. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Shut up. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> um, um. So uh, your eldest is five. Yeah. Um, uh, you had that child quite young. You mm, said. Well, yeah. no, I mean young in today's standards. Young in today's standards. Normal yeah. for our parents' generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you were already a human rights lawyer? No, no. I was just starting out when, when, um, when she was born. I was pretty early in my career and yeah. – Still trying to figure out who I was, really, and and then just had a baby because that's what that's, people who have no help. idea what they're doing do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly why yeah. anyone has a baby. Yeah. Because they've got no idea what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been really – I think I've been quite fortunate because a lot of women, when they have kids, find their career stalls, but mine hasn't. But I think I've just been clever in working for people who kind of have to tolerate that I'm <laughs> part-time because, like, it's my human right to, <laughs> to do so. so the perfect <laughs> so job. Strategic. <laughs> <laughs> but but has it been that easy though? No, no. Look, there's. I've had some really interesting reflections, p- particularly since I had Frida on the balance. And, you know, lots of women uh, in recent years have said women can, you can have everything. You can have it all. You just yeah. can't have it all at the same time. And I look back, particularly at the last five years of Stevie's life, and um, I think about everything that I've missed. And I've missed loads. I missed the first time she walked. That was at daycare. I've missed all these milestones. And I think I'll regret it. I think I'll regret it deeply. I've made a choice. And I really, really care about my work and what I do. But I think I'll look back and I'll, I'll really wish that I spent more of these really fundamental years with my kids. And so did you have like a, a, different, a different idea of how it would work before? Yeah. You know, like before, like Steve, like before you were oldest, did you, and you were like, you're pregnant, like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to mm. do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have it all. And then when it came along, it was just like a different. It's really, of, really different. Like you, you're... Your emotional connection to your child is so strong, but the guilt is also really strong, and oh, you don't guilt. always questioning yeah. whether you're doing the right thing, and always worrying I about. Never worry about that. Hundred oh. <laughs> percent convinced I'm on the right path. I've never strayed. I've never broken. That's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, he's never just sat on a couch for a week without being able to talk. <laughs> I've never locked myself in the house. Never had a nervous breakdown. Nothing wrong has ever happened to me. Everything's fine in the way Duffin camp. <laughs> Bring up that. A great point there, though, which is um, more appropriate for you to discuss from your point of view than us, even though we are human rights lawyers and women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're beautiful women. We're strong, powerful women. We're strong, powerful working mums. And (laughs) that distinction between you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. And Mm. I think that message is not getting across at all. And and then I think specifically women, mums, are feeling like failures if they don't go to work. Or they're feeling like failures as mums if they do go to work because everything, all the messages are, 
no, you, I am woman, hear me roar, mm. you can do it all. Well, it's fucking impossible. It yeah. is totally impossible. And you're also working in a context where you've been socialised to behave in a particular way from when you're a kid, right? Everyone learns gender roles from yeah, when yes. they are born. And the data in Australia is that women are still spending more than twice as much time doing unpaid labour, you know, picking up the kids, doing the shopping birthday present, buying, you know, checking that the dunny needs cleaning, all that really fundamental, invisible, unvalued stuff yeah. than men. And But they're also now in the workforce and they're doing most of the child rearing and then they have the, you know, the mental load. And so I know that there are outliers there. I think it's about 1% of, of Australian dads are stay-at-home parents. Wow. But yeah, it's really, really, really small. Yeah, hello. hello. Oh, is you are the 1%. <laughs> you and the Hells Angels, mate. <laughs> but most, most working women are not only getting paid less than their male counterparts, there's still a massive gender pay gap, but they're doing way more at home. And we well, talked about this um, last week, actually. Mm. Uh, I'm not actually sure when that episode's going to come doesn't out. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> at some point, either after or before this. <laughs> <laughs> it has something to do with Patreon and us not being able to figure out how to get it started. <laughs> but we were talking about like the mental load and unpaid mm. labour. And my point was like 100%, like in this household, we're pretty even, but there's definitely stuff that Claire does that I don't see. Um, that idea of domestic blindness. The, the idea mm. of yeah. domestic blindness. But part of me is also like, well, don't, just don't do it. Don't clean the toilet. <laughs> don't buy the birthday present. Just leave it. Just don't do it. Just don't I do think it. That's a, but that's a lot of men's attitudes. It's like, what are you complaining about? Just don't do it. Just don't do but it. But then if it all stopped and not, you, you went to your toilet one day and the water was black, you're like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> then then <laughs> they would learn to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the that's the problem, right? Because somebody has to pick up the pieces when it all goes to shit, and mm. the invisible labour is this really the foundations of most families. Like things like yeah. when did the kids need to be vaccinated? You know, what forms do we need to fill out to get them to school? All yeah. of this really, 100% clear yeah, is all. That yes, was Hannah all, was that all was all yeah. yeah, and it's and and it's one thing to say, you know, make a point to the woman. It just adds to that load, right? That they have to educate the other person as to what they're, you know, they're not doing. But do you think like sometimes people just because they're different will have different ideas of what is important? Mm, oh, definitely. You know what I mean? like, so somebody might go, "Well, the dishes need to be done after every single meal." Mm. Another person's like, "Man, I load the dishwasher when the dishwasher is going to get loaded, and I unload it when it's going to get loaded." Like, yeah. just forget about it. Yeah. So it's like you need to have like defined. Like Claire and I, we're very lucky in that we've defined kind of what areas of the house that we'll deal with. Like I'll deal with everything in the kitchen, to the vacuuming. Yeah, the kitchen is your domain. That's my domain. Yeah, Claire, yeah. Claire does the washing. You know, she enjoys it. Kind of thing. Yeah, but so, I, I think you, this household's a rare household. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it really it's is. It's not like that at all. And even in, in our household, we talk about it heaps. Um, pro I probably don't bring it up enough and acknowledge Hannah enough, but we have the problem where I'm by far in a better position oh. to earn. Um, because of my job and for whatever reasons that that has been the case it is the case and so and my job takes me away and so I'm really conscious of um, supporting Hannah in her pursuits to follow her dreams and do her business but at the moment we've got a two and a half year old about to have a baby yeah and the practicalities is if I don't go to work and this has kind of happened in the last six you months I kind of mm. tried to be around more and then we looked at the bank account and went, oh, fuck, that's right. <laughs> if I don't work, yeah. that doesn't fill up. Mm. And so I, I guess the point of bringing that up is how do we – because I'm just saying, well, that's just the situation, but that doesn't have to be the situation. 
we could fix that we situation. We want you to fix our problems first. <laughs> okay. That's why we got you on. How, well, how do we fix it in a... Because we're not going to fix it today in, in how it is at the moment in all of that sort of um, pay disparity. That How do we change it so that in our kids' generation, mm. they're in a better position? Yeah. That's so... In Victoria, we have this thing called a primary prevention program and it's really focusing on the idea that kids are the future. You know, they they are how we're going to model new roles about gender and we know that these ideas start with really, really little kids, how they interact with each other in the school, how they're treated by their families and it starts really young. Here's a really interesting statistic for you and I'm going to fuck up the number. But um, for every... (laughs) So on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) The pay gap starts with little kids um, with pocket money. Little girls get paid like... 73 cents to every boy dollar in pocket what? money. No. Yes. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Again, the number, wow. I'm, I don't, it's, it, you have to Google that. Yeah. Um, just to, but it, it's significantly less. And and when it comes to distri- distribution of household labour, little girls get more than little boys. It's so subconsciously, consciously, parents are showing their children what their roles because are. Because when we talk about like um, gender roles, we're not talking about like. Um, Femininity, masculinity. No, we're not, not talking just about that. those. We're not talking about those two things because it's sometimes I feel like um, people are being, especially boys, are being punished for being feminine, yeah. but girls aren't being punished for being masculine, mm. and also girls yeah. are being told, "Oh, you're being too girly." You know, like for some reason. Uh, but it's we're also not because cleaning is not feminine. No, we're not talking about that. Like, it's just cleaning. When you're cleaning the shit out of a toilet, that yeah. is not. A, that is. That's not pretty a masculine. <laughs> <and feminine. laughs> but it's gendered. It is gendered. It's gender because yeah. women tend to do it. But you know, you bring up a really important point about gender. You know what what kind of traits the genders have, yeah. and. I think a, the critical bit is our little boys. You know, we're really good at empowering our little girls and talking to them about what they should be and what they can achieve and who that, yeah. you know. But with little boys, there's still a bit of a gap between, you know, yeah. how do you teach a little boy to be empathetic and kind yes. and treat people yeah. well? And how do you teach them to be emotionally aware and connected enough to their kind yeah. of well-being so that they deal with their anger properly, their sadness properly? Because that's a real challenge and for then men. And when they grow up, they're yeah. not going to be... They're not going to have like rage issues. And yeah. You know, they're going to be able to control themselves a bit better. Yeah. My opinion on that, and it is just my opinion, I'm, I'm not educated on this, like most of other things. Like <laughs> I don't think you need to talk about that. No, no, we no. all know. Like it's a blank <laughs> statement. But, it, but specifically with little boys, doesn't it come down to um, the modelling that they get from their dads? It's the most important relationship and how the dad treats the other parent. Yes. Particularly if you're in a male-female relationship. Yeah. How they treat their mother. And if so, here's here's some more here's some more cool facts for you guys. Um, (laughs) We'll remember it for a second. (laughs) 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 Misquote you for the next six months. (laughs) So boys, little boys who are in a household where there's an even distribution of labour, so unpaid labour, are way more likely to grow up and model that same behaviour. Equally, little girls who are in a household with an even distribution of labour will grow up to expect that from their partners. So that's yeah. a really kind of a yeah. really good way that you can show your kids, you know, what what a home life, like a good home life should look like, how, yeah. how the work should be distributed. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's so many kind of really fundamental ways that women talk to think about them ourselves and other yes. people. It's really hard to overcome them as adults, but we can just focus all that effort on children and try to model the behaviour we want to see in them. And uh, what's your partner like that? 
He's gorgeous. He um he took a year off last year to hang out with us at home and um and study for a while and um he he's back working now but he he tries because also because I'm he calls me very fondly a feminazi but he tries <laughs> which is cute um, but he he tries How adorable yeah, so, <laughs> he tries really 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 hard to you know make sure everything's even and and to reflect on you know how to make it easy for both of us because I'm I'm the breadwinner I earn more money than him yeah. and he's always been very supportive and very comfortable of that but he's also really really aware that we have two little girls and that it's up to him really to model what what they should expect from, you know, the, the men that they might encounter in their lives. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's um, a great irony or whatever that you've got two little girls mm, too facing thank, these yeah. issues. I think, I think actually raising little boys is harder. I, I think especially, I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but just <laughs> in terms of, you know, what you want to, what you have to deal with, because little girls, you, you know, you're empowered, yeah. you're frightened for them because of, you know, the rates of gendered violence in our community, and that's not going to change anytime soon. But little boys, you, you know, you, you need to teach them how to be a good person in a really different way. It's not just about empowerment. It's about yes. emotional regulation and sensitivity yeah, yeah. and empathy. And that's really hard. Well, even when we were doing, uh, Nellie Thomas and I uh, and and several other contributors uh, put together a show called The No Means No Show um, about safe sex, um, consent, um, free agreement, all of that for teenagers. And we started with a all-girls show um, with that. And it was great. And it was all... Um, empowerment and I am woman hear me roar and it was great and then we went well we need definitely need to do a boy show and the mm. tone was just different because yeah. it had to be different mm. because it was hey fucking knock it off that was the yeah. tone <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's and it, it, it all because we were sort of doing it as my first boy was born and I started to when I was performing in front of the teenage boys and seeing some real genuine issues in teenage yeah. boys um, I kind of nearly had to walk away because I was seeing my future and I feel very daunted by the idea of raising men. Like I'm, mm. I'm working my ass off to do it, but you're right, it's not... It, raising girls in this uh, world is like you're empowering them, you're telling them it's your body, it's your choices yes. and you should say all of that to boys as well mm. but with boys, because of how far it's gone and how bad it's got, you have to kind of... And I'm, I'm trying to do this in a really gentle, sensitive way but say you know other people's bodies are theirs your body's yours and you start to get a little bit confused in it and it's it's a bit more of a maze to find your way through mm. i mean i've got nothing to compare it to because i don't have girls yeah it's an interesting one because i feel like with little girls as they get older they're going to be told by every section of society you can do what you want yes don't, don't listen to that you can do what you want you're gonna have some troubles getting on later in life but you know you can have this career this career and this career yeah and you can have it all you can have it all yeah and then by I think as boys get older, they're going to be told, oh, no, boys don't go into early childhood education. Mm. Boys don't do that. Yeah. Mm. Boys don't become, like, um, cooking yeah, yeah, teachers. Yeah, right. You know, like, whatever. Those, there's going to be certain career paths that are denied to them because there seem to be, like, a bit more of a feminine or sure. mm. empathetic career path. And the consequences are, are pretty bad for men. So in male-dominated industries, you get this really, really homogenous masculine identity. So the ones where you've got mostly men, like construction, for example, yeah. is a really great example. Or like chefs, man. Yeah. And like in kitchens, Ooh. like for a long time, maybe not so much anymore, but for a long time it was just hardcore. What an industry. It's like what a time to fucking... <laughs> 
fucking get your balls put in a frying pan. <laughs> I don't know. It's horrible. It is a rough industry. Yeah. Yeah. And the and what happens in these industries is that they kind of form an identity or an archetype and yeah. the characteristics are, are usually the same. They're hard men, they're stoic, yeah. they tolerate physical pain and emotional pain and they don't seek help. So they don't yeah. seek help internally from their workplace, externally from their family. And the result is those cohorts of working people are far more likely than any other section of the community to commit suicide. And yes. this goes back, this is all, we, we talk a lot in um, in my field about the the spectrum of the patriarchy, the spectrum of violence against women. And one thing that, you know, is... is we're really starting to turn our minds to is how this is all really fundamentally bad for men too. Yeah. This is all part of the the, the the same social power structures. They impact everybody yes. and they really, really hurt men. Yes. Well, I've, that's been the message that I've got from feminism. I've never really understood men who are so anti-feminism because yeah. the message I've always got and maybe I've been around um, some more inclusive feminists than maybe some other men have been, but it's that it's better for men. It's yes. going to be better for us. You won't have to work as hard. You won't have to um, suffer in silence. Mm. You won't have to be bashed. Um, you won't have to kill yourself. It's yeah. going to be better. Mm. Um, so then how do we get that message across to a broader community? I guess just before you get into that, because that's a big question to ask you, but how many men are in your industry? In in, in law, it's very, very male-dominated. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in the kind of softer laws like human rights, it's pretty female-dominated. Yeah, right. yeah. Just like all professions, the softer skills, yes. or the em- empathetic skills tra- tend to attract yeah. more women. Um, to answer your first question, this has to be systemic change. And that means it has to start with our institutions, our governments, our communities. We can do our little bit at our home, but yeah. we need to start to drive change from... And right from when, as you were saying before, when yeah. there's... Yeah, early so, childhood. So yeah. coming into like a construction site now with a counsellor and saying, let's all chat and we'll try and get this sorted, it's not going to have nearly as much impact. It might have a lot, actually. You that, think? Yeah, that kind of Don't intervention. Don't disagree with me. It's my <laughs> podcast. It's <laughs> shitting with You're the wrong. I came up with a theme song. I came up with the title. All right? I bought the equipment. This is my podcast. You're, You're in my house. Oh, I bought that coffee you're drinking. Just a point of order. You did not pay for that equipment. <laughs> Who did? That's not even ours. Yeah, I did pay for that. Oh, did you? Yes. Is that ours now? Yes. And did you see how I said ours? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was still on loan. No. That's awesome. (laughs) Let's record a podcast. (laughs) But all right, you can have your point of view, I guess. (laughs) You can have your educated point of view. Um, I was just, you know, it's not going to be the kind of transformative change that we're talking about. But for those men having, you know, being given the permission, I suppose, to talk about what they're feeling, they might then, you know, allow other people in their lives. We we talk, you know, there's a ripple effect. do you think that they would? Like say if you're in a construction (sighs) site and you're surrounded your whole industry for like 20 years, you've been Mm. in there and you've never done this thing before. You know, you crack a VB like halfway through the work day. You know, you you go home and punch a football, you know, because you're angry. Um, Do you think that they would open up like all of a sudden? I work at the moment with a very large, very old Victorian institution on behavioural change um, because of their issues with gendered violence and gendered harm. And... um, I have been astonished by the capacity of really, really Im- 
bearded men who have really firm, hyper-masculine identity yeah. to come around and to look at themselves oh, differently. Well, that's yeah. lovely. It's well, really good. encouraging. Man, that is, I'm very surprised. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is surprising and it's beautiful. And part of it, I think, is allowing themselves, A, to realise how it's hurt them and B, to reflect on their impact and to want everyone to have a better time. And yeah. if you get those kind of storytelling, those hearts and minds conversations going, like even, you know, there's always going to be 10% we, in the change, you know, the change industry. Yeah. You say there's a 10% who will never listen. They will never come around. But everybody else, you can change their mind. And it can be really phenomenal and really powerful. Wow. I, I'm constantly amazed when I, um, I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of men and I'm doing my best to try and call out some of their preconceived ideas of um, society and, and their level of privilege, that one, how um, unaware they are, and two, how receptive they are when they f- hear the noise. So last night I was, I was doing a, uh, a workshop um, in a professional sense uh, for a TV show for guys that had never done comedy before. And uh, there was one guy, and he'd, uh, he hadn't even written his own joke, it was just a joke joke. Um, and in the joke, the um, basically the butt of the joke was uh, were women, um, and it was sort of like a negative thing was going to happen to a guy, and that negative thing was being lumped with um, what was, in his opinion, uh, an ugly, horrible woman. And I just challenged him. I said, "Well, why? Why is that the 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 point of the joke?" And he just looked completely confused. And I said, "Look, there's no rules in comedy." You can do whatever you want, but what I try and do is never punch down. And he said, what does punch down mean? And I went, well, it means that you're making fun of someone below your level um, of privilege. And he went, what's my level of privilege? And I went, you're a straight white male, top of the pops, mate. There is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing above you. And he genuinely, he was a bit dumb, but genuinely, <laughs> he did, I think it was the first time he'd ever heard it in, in yeah. that way. And, and then didn't argue me was able to immediately get his head around, oh, okay. And I said, so so what you need to do then, and this is, again, it's not a rule uh, in comedy because there's no rules. What I choose to do, because I'm at the top level of privilege, is I, uh, I punch myself. <laughs> <laughs> because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and so I just said that to him. He's like, nah, yeah, got it, all right. <laughs> so I think if there's more... Um, uh, and it's fuck, it, it seems like such a big job because sometimes you, you don't want to take the time. But if there was if there's more time taken to communicate that idea, yeah. men yeah. actually are receptive, like you said, yeah, and right. they do want to hear it. And and if you give people like the rope, as you're saying, if you give them the opportunity, yes. the leeway to change, then yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah and then it's better for us. Yeah, that's a really big concept, though. Um, to be faced with the idea as an individual when you know you know you you both would know personally you feel like you've worked really hard you know you've you've done things to earn what you have because we're a meritocracy that's a that's that's an idea in our community that everything we do we have earned and everything we have we have earned and people who don't have it have deserved it it's a really kind of fundamental capitalist idea so when you go to someone you say actually a lot of what you've got is because you're very fortunate and because you're very privileged it makes people normally feel very very defensive because their own personal experiences are of having worked for it yeah and it's a really confronting thing to face someone with and it's it's gonna be a difficult conversation especially the first time around because they're gonna very deeply very really feel that they they deserved it they earned yeah. it yes yeah. and that's a hard thing to uh change the mindset yeah. on because yeah. 
because I have worked my ass off. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I would say the vast majority of the things that I've achieved in my career is because I've looked at something that I've wanted and I've I've put in the effort to get there, but then I'm completely aware and partly this is because I've got good parents. Um it's because I started at a level of privilege. Yeah. Aside from the fact that I'm a straight white male, uh, I both my parents are educated. Um, uh, I, they were both present in my life. Um, yeah. If I fall, they still catch me. I'm, I'm almost 40. Yeah. <laughs> just got a big tax bill and call my parents up. Can you help out? They're like, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Fuck, I've got to get this shit together. <laughs> so I, I have worked hard to achieve what I've got, but it's because I started at a point. Yeah, um, because I think like there's a difference there because people are working hard to get what they have, but they've also, as Harley said, they've started ahead of the line. They've started yeah. like ahead of the curve. Yeah. And other people are working just as hard, but they're getting held back. So no one's really holding... Holding no. you back, yeah, you know. So well, like, yeah, you've worked hard, but these guys are working just as hard, and they're not getting anywhere. And mm. why is that? Yeah. Like that's what we have to ask. Well, I remember there was an argument we I, I had uh, uh, on Twitter, which I'm now no longer on, been over a year now. Jeez, it's good. Um, <laughs> but it was because of this podcast, um, and I I just made a, a throwaway comment of when we go to the park, uh, people think we're pedos. And I'm like, <laughs> and fair enough, we brought it on ourselves. Um, <laughs> it's a funny line about pedophilia. <laughs> anyway, this guy There's wrote, so many. There's so many. <laughs> and this guy uh, took it personally, wasn't about him, never met him, mm. um, and said that that's unfair and untrue. And I said, look, I'm just choosing to look at the privilege that we have and, and call it out. And then he, in the same breath he goes, I don't have privilege when I was at university. <laughs> Fuck mate oh <laughs> You were at university <laughs> Privilege <laughs> um, Maybe moving on slightly How has maybe your um, parenting influenced the job you went into Or the job influenced your parenting uh, that's, a, that's a good question um, In terms of how my the job has influenced my parenting um, So a lot of what we do is like it's it's very it's it sounds very dull. I find it very thrilling. I'm um, like auditing and analysis, and it's made me. It does sound audit very dull. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot you can you can fucking toast that, mate. You cannot, you cannot make that exciting. Sorry, I cannot put icing it's on auditing. that. Oh, <laughs> an analysis. I got so panicked then. I was like, I think I'm about to be audited. <laughs> Putting the anal back in analysis. <laughs> but oh. I've taken that approach with my oh. kids. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's it's very you know it's not very interesting. You're totally right. So I'll move on. But <laughs> taking that approach to my kids, like being really analytical with them, them. pretty much. Yeah. Sometimes I have to step back and be like, okay, you know, have, have they met their milestones? Have they eaten <laughs> they enough vegetables this week? Exactly. And it's really I have to step back and just take a different a different pace with my kids because yeah. it's not it's not the same. I've got to really take that hat off and you know put my other hat on. <laughs> and sometimes um, I'm also I think. A lot of people in my field can be quite um, anxious and um, quite type A, but in a very like a self-destructive way rather than, a yeah. you know, something you should uh, celebrate way. And so I find myself saying things. <laughs> the other morning, uh, Stevie was doing a puzzle and she's like, oh, I just, she just 
did not want to finish it. She didn't. And to be honest, it's really boring. She's done it a hundred times. I wouldn't either. But I was like, you have to finish it because everything in life that you, 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 you that is any good, you have to really work hard to do it. And, you, and then I said, and you can't have any breakfast unless she finished the puzzle. And she, she just looked at me and I was like, oh God. And I had to wind oh, it back. I'm like, I I'm love not, that you're a human rights lawyer. I know, right? Not I for know. my kids. No, no I love that because yeah. we have spoken often about the insanity that you get into as a parent. Yeah, where you we, make a call and then you're like, well, I'm sticking with this. That spiral that you go down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, that's the yeah. stupidest that thing. That puzzle, no breakfast. You're exactly. like eating until you finish that puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, I've got to say, that's the wrong message. That was what I was brought up with is you've got to finish something. Don't yeah. finish it if it's no. not right for you. Yeah. Get the fuck out. Give like, it a go if you're not enjoying it. Don't worry yeah, about I it. Yeah, I mean... That's a hard balancing act because you do need to stick at things and you do need to see things through, but also don't stay at uni in a degree that you didn't want to do in the first place just so you tick off that. Yeah. Speaking to myself that left (laughs) psychology six months in. That's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard that's a hard juggling match. And and two, you're sleep deprived. Yes, I'm not making great decisions. Yeah, you're just no coming into it. And five year old was coughing it. <laughs> it was the voices. Make her finish it. <laughs> finish the puzzle. No breakfast for her. Burn it down. Burn it all down. Ah <laughs> uh, oh dear. Best of luck. <laughs> And you took um, your baby into work? Yeah, I did. Which one? Which baby? The, the new one. The, the new one. Yeah, the little little baby. The idiot. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like her. Um, she, yeah, I did. I took her to work for four months. Um, How did that go? Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit Larissa Waters of the uh, of the human rights area. Mm, that's very, yep. Um, <laughs> it was, look, it was... It felt like it would be a really good idea, but then the reality was really difficult because she was a tiny little baby. She was quite early. I was quite sick during my pregnancy and I rushed back to work when I was still like, I still had a sore vagina and I was still leaking milk. I was not emotionally ready to go back, but I felt like I should and I took her in and fuck, you know, being a parent is just a exercise in guilt, right? So I spent a lot of time staring at a screen and not at her. And I will never forget what it felt like to look at her as she got bigger. She started to sit up while she while we were at work and, and she'd make these noises which I knew were trying to get my attention. But I would only glance at her and I'd go back to the screen. Yeah. And I... It honestly sounds like my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, Parenting 101. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Now she's, you know, she's a really bad sleeper. She's, she's quite anxious. She has terrible separation anxiety. And I know these things come from all sorts of different areas of your life. But I wonder how much of it was because for some really fundamental parts of her development, I couldn't give her the attention that she needed. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, but we, like, both girls were bad sleepers and mm. we gave them so much attention. Okay, we that were, like, my way better. <laughs> Claire and I were, like, care for, like, both of them. Mm. Um, also, this is, this is only going to be opinion-based for you, but do you think then that is primarily a, uh, the mother role to stay home longer? 
That's really interesting. And, and no, no, I think it's really critical that, you know, kids can get secure attachment from anybody. It doesn't have to yeah. be, even be a parent. Yeah. Um, as long as somebody is loving and present and attentive to their needs, they're going to they're gonna get the secure attachment they need. There's a bit of a biological onus on the mother because she needs to recover, obviously, yeah, after birth like and labor. Yeah, physically and mentally, yeah, I imagine. It's, huge. it's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. But it's actually more of an argument to have more support at home, really, yes. because the mother is recovering from... A massive, massive life event. Yeah, there seems to be like this thing where like, oh, you can have one or the other parent mm. at home rather mm. than, well, let's work on a way there. to have both parents yes. at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that would be the better. Which, like I said before, is, um, is it feels daunting to me to try and achieve that even with this second kid. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a real pipe dream. Like that yeah. is not well, economically. Is. What's not no. e- like for most people, that is not economic. It's impossible. Well, I just economic got, reality. I just got asked about a gig that is a week after due date. Um, and I haven't said yes to it, uh, but financially, I need to say yes to it. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's that kind of thing. Is like, well, I don't. But well, the baby may not even because what's a due date anyway? The baby yeah. doesn't have a clock. So, I, uh, to say yes to it, even if it, it happened, everything happened to a schedule, and then I'm just a week later. See you later. Yeah, um, that's hard. That's yeah, really hard. It is. But then also, if I don't, well, <laughs> how do we keep the wolves at bay? Mm. Yeah. So the only, it's really only the very most privileged of us that can do that kind of thing. But again, we're talking about systemic change. You know, you can have government intervention. So we have a paid parental leave uh, a scheme for both parents. You know, yeah. encourage people to take it. Let let it be less embarrassing or detrimental for men in their workplace to take parental leave. Yes. You know, let, that's why it has to be kind of at a level much higher than the individual household. Yeah. Because y- if you access it now, you're still going to be penalised for it. Yes. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, I'll take paid parental leave, mm-hmm. but you're from an industry where that's not common. Mm-hmm. And then you leave, and then they go, well, fuck this guy, or fuck this woman. Yeah. <laughs> and they just yeah. bring someone else in, and yeah, yeah, totally. you just lost your job, or well, we're, we're cutting your role back. Yeah. And then they've economically, they've lost that overall, or their job yeah, isn't yeah. quite what they wanted. It's a tough one, yeah, you think, to make the systemic change. I came up with that idea. That was mine. That was mine. <laughs> I came up with that. Don't worry about Claire. She's done nothing all podcast. <laughs> fucking rambling on about fucking voices in the head, burning her house down. I'm coming up with the good ideas yet again. Duffo. It's all good. I just want to make a point of order about um, how proud of Wade and I, uh, I am right now that we just skimmed over Saw Vagina. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't say anything. Just let it go. We just let it go. Just let it go. I mean, now we're not letting it go. <laughs> we just let it go because we're modern men. <laughs> now, one of the our favourite things to talk about uh, on this podcast is failures. Oh, I have many. <laughs> yes. uh, and they, and they, you know, they can be horror stories where you almost killed your child, uh, or just straight up parenting failures and you you did say that you may have a, a long form story for us so i am excited yeah, we're ready okay so my partner and i decided that we would be very very honest with our kids when it came to you know the beauty of making humans yeah. but in a way that was detached. Well, already you're lying <laughs> <laughs> yep. the beauty of it you're talking about sore vaginas you've ripped yourself in your asshole <laughs> <laughs> We've not discussed that with our kids yet. Well, you're lying to them straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Stevie, since my oldest daughter, since getting a little sister, has been really, really fascinated about the process of yep. getting humans. And we're like, all right, we got this detached objective. Let's do it. We were ready. And then one day we were all sitting down having breakfast. 
and Steve goes, oh, Mum had free to come out of you. And I was like, she came out of my vagina, babe. And she's like, all right. She's like, how, how, how did she get in there? And I was like, oh, well, a seed um, went into an egg inside of me and my partner's just sitting next to me like this. <laughs> like he's dying and then she was like where did this seed come from and I was like "Mm." (laughs) dad's penis Um, and she just thought for a while and if you you ever wanted to know what it feels like like when you're in a black hole you know the singularity when all your atoms like split out (laughs) be a penis or or teach your kids about penises (laughs) oh fucking (laughs) magic from brain I love it and she's like oh so how how does the seed from the penis get in there and I was like okay um uh dad puts his penis in the vagina and then she thought for Fucking ages. And then she goes, so dad's done that for all the babies in all the world. (laughs) (laughs) And I nearly (laughs) died. And I was like, no, 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 just you and your sister. And she's, and and I was like, all babies have a mum and a dad. And then I I realised that was really, really fucking wrong because they don't. I was like, some babies have two mums and two dads. And that was also not enough. And I looked at Wally and he's like glowing with this really gross masculine pride because his daughter thinks that he could have sired like populations of human beings. And and I just kept floundering. And then, thank fucking God, four-year-olds, she was four at the time, have really short attention spans because she's like, I want to watch telly. Um. And we kept kind of being really, really open and honest about the body. And, you know, she's very curious, so really investing in that curiosity. And um, I had a bit of a sore tummy recently and my doctor sent me off to get an ultrasound and I'm not pregnant, thank fuck. (laughs) 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 She wanted to come and she's looking at the screen and she's being all adorable and talking about what she wanted to be when she grew up. And they're rummaging around as they do. It's very uncomfortable. They're rummaging around. (laughs) They're rummaging around. That's what they do when they do an ultrasound. So this was an internal exam? An internal exam. Yeah, I brought my daughter because I'm a great parent. (laughs) Exactly, this is failures. Woman can have it all. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and she's staring at me, and and the technician, and she goes, "I know why my mum's got a sore tummy." And the technician looks at her, and she's like, "Oh, why?" I'm thinking it'd be really cute. She goes, "Oh, because she put a mouse in her vagina." The whole story, which was just joyous, was that Wade's eldest child, PJ, walked through the room (laughs) (laughs) right Right at the most graphic moment. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) And what do you, um, fuck, that was excellent. What do you love about parenting? That was another question that I came up with on this podcast. That was all mine. (laughs) Like, I came up with it the other day, and I thought, that's such a nice question that I've come up with there. I'm going to ask it. (laughs) I love, it's, it, it, this sounds really wanky, but I love like since Frida came particularly that feeling of just that completeness that comes from family. Like you know you're around oh, doing some really yeah. lame thing, like and it just feels beautiful and just really whole and nourishing. And it's funny, like we laugh so much at each other, at the kids, and there's a new kind of love that comes from your partner. Like you're sick to death of each other, and but you just have this patience and this <laughs> understanding, and this just it's just yeah. it's really funny and I reflect often that this 
there will never be a time in our lives when our kids are this little and this dependent and that they adore us so much. We'll never have this much kind of unbridled love. Yeah. And it's really gorgeous. A We're so answer. lucky. It's a great answer. Thanks. I would like at the end of this podcast just to share a um, parenting win that yeah. I've had recently. I had an, I had an A-plus parenting day. We went to the movies um, and it was just uh, Leo, Hannah and myself um, while we left in the car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> classic jokes. <laughs> anyway, we're sitting there uh, and it was Toy Story 4. It's during school holidays. Yep. So the, the, the cinema was packed, which already had my anxiety levels going through the roof. I don't do, deal with crowds very well. It's allocated seats now, which meant I was in the middle of the row. I was genuinely starting to panic. Fortunately, Hannah totally gets that. And I just said, can I sit in the middle of you two? So then I'm sort of protected either side. Yeah. Uh, and then the kids were, and it was fine. Like, I didn't care whether I was watching the film or not. I fully uh, planned to fall asleep in the cinema. It was the only rest I was going to get. But there was a kid right beside Leo that just was like, would see something on the screen and then just say what it was and just was just talking the film through which is just annoying yeah, and, yeah. and he wasn't because he was too young he was like 10 years old he was just a dickhead just an and, a-hole and so he'd, he'd, he would or he'd comment on something and I was there going oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll never say anything I'll just stew in my own head and get frustrated and annoyed it's hard to say something to someone else's kid <laughs> totally yeah, it is you know? and then the kid kicked off again and quite loudly and then Leo just looked at him and just went excuse me can you please be quiet Oh my oh. god! I was so proud. <laughs> like it doesn't seem like a big deal, but for me, who will never say that to somebody in yeah. a cinema, and all I want is the courage to be able to say that. Yeah. That my eight-year-old just went. Excuse me. Can you, not rude. Very direct. Mm. Kid yeah. didn't make another sound for the whole film. Fantastic. Just what wanted a to legend. share that. What, what, a, what a legend. What yeah. an absolute. He's legend. fucked at everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Name and shame that other kid will go bash him. Go <laughs> yeah. bash him. Uh, thanks, Claire Marshall, for coming on. That thanks for having me. Yeah, that was really good. Some real wise words there. We've had some other wise people on, but they're all shit now. So yeah, yeah. And now we're crushing it. Fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. Dads.